Marketplace is supported by Putnam Investments, celebrating over 70 years of service to financial advisors, their clients, and institutions worldwide. Putnam Investments, a world of investing. Produced in association with the University of Southern California. What Ben Bernanke is going to do next week. What Jimmy Carter says about his economic program and how David Frum is going to vote come Election Day. Any guesses on that last one, by the way? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace. Marketplace is supported by Constellation Energy, committed to customer choice and powering America's clean energy future through investments in nuclear, wind, solar, and efficiency technologies. And by Ally Bank, committed to customer service. At AllyBank.com, visitors can chat online with a customer care associate 24-7. From the Frank Stanton Studios in Los Angeles, I'm Kai Rizdal. Good to have you here on this Wednesday, everybody. It's the 27th of October today. And this time next week, there is going to be big news. No, not election results. You can get those anyplace. We are going to be talking about something ever more fascinating next Wednesday, monetary policy. I know, crazy, right? How the Federal Reserve is going to plow more cheap money into the economy. There is, as it happens, a Fed meeting on interest rates that wraps up next Wednesday. The central bank has been dropping hints for months now that it's going to start buying treasury bonds again to make borrowing even cheaper and hopefully stimulating spending. The question all along, though, has been just how much cash is it going to take to do the trick? Latest word from experts today is that it's going to be less. Our Washington Bureau Chief John Dimsdale explains. During the depths of the financial crisis, the Fed flooded the economy with more than a trillion and a half dollars. But the recovery remains fragile and the Fed is ready to try again. Some want another major boost, a trillion or more. But lately, some Fed members say half that much, spread out over six months, might be enough. Diane Swank at Mesero Financial agrees. I do think the incremental way is the way the Fed should approach this, not committing itself too much, but also opening the possibility of doing more if necessary. The risk of going overboard is that too much money sloshing around will devalue the dollar and spark uncontrolled inflation. Moody's economist Mark Zandi also worries that a big intervention could scare consumers and business owners. People could get nervous and think, well, if the Fed has to do all of this, then maybe I should be nervous too and start pulling back on hiring and spending and exacerbate the economy's problems. But with stubborn unemployment and hardly any lending going on, economist John Macon at Caxton Associates says the economy could slip back into recession. He thinks a big jolt is called for. What you hope for is if you are aggressive enough, if you put enough liquidity into the system, consumers will expect rising prices and will accelerate their purchases of goods and services. Macon says the housing market is an example of what happens when people expect prices to fall. They wait to buy. If that spreads to other sectors of the economy, he says the Fed's going to wish it had eased credit a lot more. In Washington, I'm John Dimsdale for Marketplace. A lot of companies are finding themselves caught between a sluggish consumer market in this economy and rising production costs. Procter & Gamble said today profits are down and margins are getting squeezed by high commodity prices, but P&G says it's not planning to raise retail prices. Marketplace's Elisa Roth explains why that might not be the corporate world's best possible strategy. Like a lot of small business owners, Liz Walters started running into trouble around the time the economy fell apart in 2008. She owns a yarn shop in San Diego. And my customers seem to be very price sensitive. Everyone's stepping down one quality level in what they're buying. She started cutting prices, about 10% for expensive yarns, and she still frequently has 25% off sales. 
But an analysis from McKinsey, the consulting firm, suggests that might do more harm than good for small businesses like Walters and big ones like Procter & Gamble. McKinsey created a model based on 1,200 companies. It found that increasing the price of a product or service by 1% could boost the company's profits by almost 9% if sales stayed the same, but lower the price enough to make customers notice by, say, 5%, and the company would have to increase sales by double digits just to break even. That just isn't realistic in today's economy. Mike Marn is one of the authors of the McKinsey Report. So the message here is that the, you know, the, the basic math of decreasing